From the beautiful Art House Studios in Nashville, Tennessee, this is The Pivot, stories of people who've made a change. Welcome to The Pivot. My name is Andrew Osinga. My guest today is Lee Nash. Lee is the lead singer of the band Sixpence None the Richer, as well as uh, a bunch of other things that we'll hear about in this podcast. Years ago, I was in a van on the road with somebody, and we got into this conversation, which was, which artists have you seen the most? And then because we were all professional musicians, we've seen a lot of artists a lot of times because we were playing gigs with them or... Uh, on the road with them or anything. So then we started saying, okay, so which artists have you paid to see the most? And the answer for me was, without even a really close second, was Sixpence None the Richer. I've probably paid to see this band 25 times. I just loved them. I still do. I listen to them uh, regularly. Um, just one of my favorite bands. And so uh, it was a real treat when the opportunity to talk to Lee for this podcast came up. We are in similar circles, but this was maybe the first real conversation we'd had, at least in a long time. Um, and it was sweet to get to kind of hear her story and, and to hear what she's been up to recently. I didn't expect to resonate so much with her story. I figured it would be totally different from mine. But as she started talking about the different projects she's done and sort of the different ways um, that she's tried to express herself through her art and fig- use that to figure out sort of who she was and mark the different eras of her life, I went, oh, man, that, I really understand that. And... Um, that was kind of helpful for me to process some things. Um, and more than anything, Lee is just delightful. And I know you're going to love getting to spend some time uh, with her. I know I did. So uh, stick around after the podcast. Uh, she mentions a new recording that's about to come out or that just uh, will have come out when this podcast is aired. And um, there's a little, little bonus song at the end of this uh, for you listeners. So stick around and hear that. But right now, it's time to get to the interview uh, with the wonderful Lee Nash. New in Nashville is brought to you by the Nashville Institute for Faith and Work. Do you ever struggle to understand if your work really matters and how it fits into the grand narrative of life? Well, the Nashville Institute for Faith and Work is asking and answering questions just like this every day through ongoing events, programming, and resources. Join them soon at one of their upcoming summer programs like their five-week Faith and Work 101 course or by applying to Gotham, their flagship nine-month Faith and Work Leadership Intensive. Be sure to use the code THEPIVOT, one word, for a 10% discount on any of their upcoming events and connect with them online at nifw.org. Can we agree that sometimes life gets hard? Having an outside guiding perspective helps us all get through those times well. We talk about it often on this podcast, so I want to tell you about some friends of mine who provide the perspective and guidance that can help you thrive, especially during difficult or transitional times. Global Counseling Network is their name. Global Counseling Network is not a group of life coaches, professional development people, HR specialists, or self-help specialists. They're more than that. They are the highest quality counselors that join you on the journey of life to provide trusted feedback and counsel. Your Global Counseling Network counselor is available anytime, anywhere, no matter where you are, based on your schedule. I know you have a lot going on, and trying to juggle it all can seem impossible at times. That's why I recommend my friends at Global Counseling Network as a partner to help you navigate life. Reach them now at globalcounselingnetwork.com. That's globalcounselingnetwork.com. Do this for you.
Uh, well, obviously, you've had a, a very successful career as a musician, um, but it's had a lot of ups and downs, I know. I, mean, I talked to Steve Taylor a couple seasons ago, yeah, and it was fun to hear sort of his take on this. Um, but I don't, I don't really want to focus on the band. I want to focus on sort of before and after, because okay. uh, the band's the thing we all kind of know about. Right. Um, so you're from Texas originally, right? I am. Okay. So what was what was growing up like for you? Like, what what part of Texas are you from? I'm from South Central Texas, um, uh, right in between Austin and San Antonio, and they call it the Hill Country. It's very oh, beautiful family. down there. And uh, my family unit, um, it was my parents and my sister. And uh, my dad was was a character. I'll just leave it at that for now. Um, and kept us all on our toes. Um, so growing up wasn't wasn't ideal at all. There was a lot of stress and, mm. and a good bit of trauma as well. But my mom um, did a great job shepherding us through all of the, the bad times and and then, you know, we also had some good times. And I met Matt Slocum from Sixpence so early that that was kind of the rest of my upbringing. Really? So really my parents only had me till I was about 15. And then <laughs> whether Matt knows it or not, he kind of <laughs> took over raising me. And certain, just because that's that that band and, and Matt and the practices and the shows and the driving up to Dallas, you know, during the week and all that became my... My focus, thank goodness, because I hated school. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was partly raised by my family, and then Matt took over. That's what, that's a story, like, I knew that you, you, you guys had started really young, that you had been 15 or 16, I guess, when you started, but I have a 13-year-old daughter now, so that story seems completely Crazy, different than right. when I was in high school and just thought, wow, that's so cool. Right. Like, that's insane. Yeah, it was really early. And we weren't traveling or anything until I was 15, I want to say. Did some local shows when I was 14. And I was definitely interested in singing before that even. It would do wow. shows at dance halls when they would let me. Uh, like on Sunday nights, I think they had a, a no alcohol, like all ages night. And they would let me jump up there and do a few songs. That's so the I, most Texas Hill Country thing that you would play. At, you know, just go play at the dance hall. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was very romantic to me. I thought that was where I would meet my husband for sure. He'd be wearing boots, <laughs> and he would be, you know, spinning some attractive young lady around the dance hall. But then he would see we'd catch and each then, other's eyes. Yeah, while I was singing, you know, Heartbreak Hotel or whatever, <laughs> and uh, it didn't happen. <laughs> Thank God, it didn't happen. Oh man. <laughs> So, okay, then how early did you, so you started touring when you were 15? Was this? Yes. I and mean, that's, that's super young. So your parents, nobody went with you No, your family. They trusted Matt. I mean, it says a lot about Matt. Yeah. Um, they'd known him and his family all our lives living there. Not, not really close or anything, but, um, but yeah, they knew he was a good kid and, um, he was in college by the time we started you know, traveling yeah. to do stuff. But Matt, I don't know if it's true now, but back then, you know, he, it, he was, he had a hard time staying awake behind the wheel uh, late at night. And it was late, but I'm the kind of person that, you know, if I'm driving, I'm driving, you know. Yeah. But he might be sleeping. There are quite a few times, but I haven't had that experience with him in the last, like, 20 years. Yeah. He hasn't done that, but. 
those really young young years. Yeah, yeah. He, would, he would really get tired on that route between Dallas and New Braunfels. Oh my gosh! He had to take me home and then drive all the way back to Austin to get in his dorm or where his apartment, yeah. wherever he lived. So this is before you probably had a band. Was it just the two of you? Or it was, was there a, a band we were right calling away? it Sixpence, yeah, for sure. Um, but the band guys, like our drummer, lived in Dallas, so he was already there. Mm-hmm. And I was the main one. He had to, you know, he kind of had to oh babysit me, <laughs> tote me around. Well, now around. you can drive yourself, I assume. Yeah. So that's, that's probably helpful. Yeah. I'm, yeah. A, I'm a grown-up now. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so, um, like I said, I don't want to focus on Sixpence, but I, if, if you, we could take the next couple of minutes and just give us, like, how would how would you describe the arc of the of the sort of bulk of the Sixpence sort of experience for you now that you've got some you know, some perspective on it. It was, I mean, how long were you guys an active band? I know you're still playing. Yeah, sometimes. But, but that sort of, you know, really, really active period. Right, where we're like actually creating new music where, where and stuff. It felt yeah. like nobody heard you. Then it felt like you kept getting, I mean, right. I followed as a fan. It just felt like, oh my gosh, they keep getting screwed over. And they right. keep, I know. you I know. Hate, and, I hate so much that that was part of our story. And I don't, I don't know why it had to be that way. Hmm. Um, but, because we did have so much success, we had so much going for us, and a lot of blessings, a lot of wonderful things happened. Um, but yeah, it did seem that on that path, and with people trying to help us get here and there, uh, we made a lot of mistakes. And also, the music business is just not a, you know, not a at least then not a friendly playing ground, not fair, and all that. Um, but but yeah, the arc you know, from, from my perspective is we started touring right when I graduated. We just, when we played a ton of shows back then, um, and we're just in vans and cars and whatever would get us to the next, the next venue for, I mean, if we started in 94 touring really in earnest and then the success didn't happen until 99, 2000. That's a lot of yeah. years of just really beating the pavement and yeah. um, playing a lot of clubs. And um, yeah, so in those years, we're playing churches and um, you've got these youth directors that are really passionate about getting you know, different kind of music to their, to their kids. And then you've got their parents and grandparents that were like, you know, we're not, this is not cool. It shouldn't be happening in the church. Um, so I got a, an earful at almost every show from some older person in the church that was like, you didn't give an altar call. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. And I was homesick. I was a kid. I missed my mom. And some of these people were my mom's age. And it would, I would just, oh yeah. And I felt younger. I think just, I was in a state of arrested development for Mm -hmm. sure, just because of the circumstances. So I would just go back. If I didn't cry right in front of them, I would save it (laughs) until I got in our host bed. Like, you know, we'd probably stay at some house and I'd just cry in some kid's room until I fell asleep um, but that happened a lot and it was a little mm. pretty scarring so it was nice when things started to turn around and we after kiss me um, you know we were on buses and it was easier just to tell people like no 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 yeah go, go away there you had people <laughs> sort of as a little fence around you yeah a little, you a little bit yeah. yeah for sure and I could see one coming a mile away like that guy's mad at me because I didn't give an altar call. So oh, man. I remember those I, uh, days. Hide. I could hide. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember someone after a show saying basically like, so I guess you're not a Christian. I was like, what? what? <laughs> I was like, well, you didn't say this and this and that. I'm like, I don't even believe half of what you said. Hey. <laughs> and like, I'm just playing songs, man. Right. You know? And oh uh, yeah, it was. I didn't but, uh, even believe that. <laughs> like, well, I'm never going to say that because that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, so okay, so you guys have this m- sort of massive hit after these years of just really slugging it out. How quickly, how quickly did it go from being, we're in a van, do people care? We're just here's another gig. To oh my goodness, we're this is blowing up. Was it was it a long slow arc or was it really it was fast? Definitely a long slow arc. But when Steve Taylor got involved and. Um, was just kind of determined to make it good and make it fair, make a new business model. He had all the best intentions. Um, they all worked so hard that, you know, the team that he put together. And then, in, of course, in turn, they put us to work really hard. And we um, were just unbelievably busy for months and months and months, um, go, visiting radio stations and playing Kiss Me where we were welcome and where we were not welcome. And it was an interesting, very, very interesting part of uh, learning. Yeah. Um, because I, I started out pretty shy and I'm still shy. So if you can imagine someone with that personality type going into a radio station, like unwelcome, like didn't expect us. I mean, it's, it's a six nightmare. In the morning. And Matt doesn't have the most gregarious personality. <laughs> We're laughing because we know, yeah. but uh, what an understatement that sentence is. <laughs> he doesn't. Um, but I mean, always sweet. But yeah, none of us were just going to go knock down yeah, doors. Yeah, you're not politicians. But we had this guy with us named Lindsay Fellows that was like that, and he had the best personality for that. So he drove us to all those all those things, and he made it smooth, and he made it cool, even when it wasn't. And so I mean, it was just. Us and it was everybody else. Yeah, making that a success. So. Yeah, man, that's great. Yeah. So, and that's your. I mean, that's obviously your full time job. Uh, you're living in Nashville at this point. I moved here when I was 19. Yeah. Okay. With Matt, Matt, well, not like together into a home, but, uh, but he moved, and I, I was like, well, I guess since the band's there now, I got to mm-hmm. go too, and you know, Nashville, and I was ready to get out of out of. Um, New Braunfels, just yeah, whatever. Yeah, nothing I could do there. New Braunfels, that's like uh, uh, what's the show? Friday Night Lights. Yeah, area, it was area, right? Isn't that kind it, of one? yeah? Definitely was modeled after that whole region of Texas. Yeah, I feel like, but I think they used a fake town's name. Okay. I could be wrong. I never got into it. My mom and sister were my, obsessed. Yeah, my wife was obsessed. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just can't cry that much. I can't do that was it. The, I would go, walk through the living room and my wife was crying <laughs> on the couch. It's so good. I'm like, this is not selling me on this show. Right. Life is stressful. I'm not going to inflict much. myself. Yeah. <laughs> After I had my son, I just kind of put a moratorium on like extra crying because there's enough. There's enough worry. There's enough tears just from being a parent <laughs> and worrying so about your kid, you know, so... But, uh, but yeah, I moved, I moved to Nashville and in 1996 and I've been here ever since. Okay. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, okay. So after the band, after that, you have the big hit, um, and then, you know, I know there's a lot of things sort of happen at that point, but at some point you guys stop touring or at least seem to slow down a good bit. Right. Um, yeah, what happened there and why? 
Um, yeah, what, what, what does it look like the year or two after a giant hit like that? Well, I know there were there were a lot of things going on, a lot of moving parts that I probably don't remember exactly, and um, also maybe they didn't pertain to me. So from my end, it just seemed like, um, and I hope Matt's not listening and he's not going to be mad, but he didn't want to tour. And I know he had his reasons, um, and I'm sure they were good ones, but um, but I was ready to work, and I wanted to work, um, and he didn't want to. So, so that kind of began yeah. my path of trying to figure out what else to do. Yeah. And we did make more music after that. You know, we we did and um but but Matt's just I don't think he enjoys touring. In fact I know he doesn't. Um but those trips like for instance Sixpence just went to um Jakarta over Thanksgiving. No way. <laughs> yeah, and then a couple of years before that we went to Taipei. It was insane and we always have the best time. I mean I could not love those guys more. Yeah. I couldn't. They're like brothers, and especially Matt and, and Justin, I mean, and Rob. <laughs> They're like my favorite people, and so it's like getting to go on a, like, a little summer camp or something. Yeah. Well, you're not playing the same place in Ohio every six months yeah. like you, you are when you come Yeah, and you're not exhausting. Yeah. You're not missing your family. I said exhausting, but yes, we're all exhausting, but you're not exhausted is what I meant. <laughs> you don't have as much of a chance to get you know, irritable with everybody. And, yeah. You know. Well, those are such adventures. That's yeah. so fun. I love to tour, though. I, I love it. I could be on tour all the time um, if I could take my son with me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the so the band kind of slows down because um, not everybody wants to tour. So what are you doing at this point? You've, you know... What was I doing? I did a lot of just... If we were home, it would have been my first time, you know, home as a, you know, person in her 20s. And I, I was married. And so we just, we had fun. Um, we kind of put down some roots. We got a house. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm trying to think back to that time exactly. Because there were a lot of years. I mean, we kept making music. Um, and we did some touring, just not as much as I would have liked to. But I did a solo project here yeah. and there. Um, just whatever opportunities came, I would follow up on that stuff. I did a like an EMD, EMD, is that what you call it? EDM. EDM. Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lee Nash. <laughs> These guys asked me to, to do a project with them. These Canadian guys uh -huh. that were in this band called Delirium. And so I got to that. We ended up writing a whole record together. Oh, they fun. sent me tracks, and I did all the, whatever they call that, top lining. Top line, yeah. yeah which I think is I know, it's very... Industry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, that was really fun and inspiring to me. So I, I did stuff where I could, um, started writing my own um, songs, and uh, just kind of started trying to not separate myself from the band, not ever. Even now, like, I'm, I'm right there. If Matt wants to do something, I'm available, and I hope he knows that. Um, but, yeah, he's just not into it. So, and then I had a baby, and then everything's been about Henry ever since. Uh, the last 14 years, I mean, you can kind of see the career just kind of, <laughs> kind of flatline a little bit. I did, I have tried to stay busy just so I can make a living, 
um, and done some solo records and stuff. Yeah. And then now I've got a whole, there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on. Yeah. Well, I, I, I want to ask about that. Yeah. So let's, so the, the interim years when Henry's little, the band is slow and you've got to both make a living. And I imagine there's some amount of trying to figure out identity. I mean, I've left a band. Yeah. Or I've been, you know, you, when you're in something like that, you feel like that's so, it, at least for me, my experience was that was that was how I knew who I was. Right. And when I didn't have it anymore, I, you know, I think there was a lot of, well, maybe withdrawal almost, but just who am I? Like, right. Um, and so what was, what was that experience like for you? Well, it's been really hard. I, I, you know, cause there were years where I would have said, well, I just never went down that. I never let myself be identified, you know, to myself. Like this, I am the singer of Sixpence and the Richer, and that's it. That's what I always said. And then now that I'm getting into my 40s, I can see, oh, wow, that does have an effect. And mm. it actually took a friend from high school I ran into in Austin, um, and he said it was a really brief conversation, but it was, and I hadn't seen him since high school. <laughs> this was only a couple of years ago. And he said, man, when I think about you, I think, what did that do to you? Like, are you, hmm. are you okay? And he was super sweet. He was like, how does it make you feel? Cause like you had this, there was this big thing that happened. And then now, and you know, and then now, and, and the implication there is now you have nothing, oh, no. <laughs> which is not what he said, <laughs> but you finish person's sentence in your own head. Like, and so it, you know, at first I was like, dude, I'm fine. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I have friends. I I have a career still, you know, I was kind of, um, defensive about it inside, but then the more I thought of it, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe there's some stuff to look at there. Hmm. And, um, and yeah, I think it did, it did deal with me, but what I did have on my side was the band, the people I was surrounded with were all very, very humble and hmm. modeled humility to me in the best way. And especially Matt, um, in, in my mind, that's, that's exactly what he showed me. That's what the basis of our name was about. So I was constantly having to tell people every time they asked, what does Sigmund's Mother Richard mean? I would have to say what it meant. And um, just that we shouldn't, you know, be pompous about the gifts that we have because we didn't, you know, we didn't just come up with them on our own. They were given to us. So, so that was on my side. And, and also I've got this incredible mother that was mm. constantly and is constantly telling me to keep my mind, keep my thoughts trained on what is eternal. And it made me always be thinking about, okay, what's eternal, what matters. And none of that, none of that stuff mattered. And so so naturally, there there's some there's some fallout. There's some stuff I probably still deal with that I'm not even ready to admit. But I did have some help along the way from just people modeling um, humble behavior, and then my mom's constant voice in my ear, just telling me, you know, this is on this is God's. You 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 can just take your hands off of it. Mm, that's beautiful. That's yeah, really cool. It is beautiful. I'm so thankful for her. Yeah. So, okay, so talk me through then musically, what's that been like being on, you know, being on your own for these different seasons? Because I know you've done, I mean, there was like a pop record, right? Kind of like an L.A. pop record. There yeah. Was a, you did a hymns record? A hymns is that right? record, and then, yeah. Um, I know the latest thing I heard was like a 
country Texas swing kind of thing, which is yeah. so great. Thank you. Um, I mean, it feels like it's what has kind of led you to doing those those things. Well, it's been absolutely wonderful because I started out thinking, you know, having this massive insecurity that I couldn't write and I'd never be able to write as well as Matt. Because that, that was one of the things that was interesting about you guys was that you didn't tend to... I mean, no, you wrote some of I wrote songs, some but. stuff, but Matt, I just... He is. He's this incredible writer. Um, and I love the way his brain thinks. And, it, and it, yeah, it's fascinating to me that these two kids from New Braunfels, Texas, a pretty small town, would find this chemistry, this magic. And, um, you know, because any singer could have sung Matt's words, but I'm not sure they would have been the right conductor like you have the a right, very unique it's it's unique and I mean, it, yeah. it matched the words he was saying went through me they 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 went right through the center of me i got mm. it it was hard for me to get some of those words the first time i saw him and not cry really? almost every time i i felt like i felt it more than he did or else he just had time to deal with them you know because he's he's in his own crazy brain you know writing that stuff down I know he felt it to his core as well but to have this young kind of you know high school educated gal um really feel all those things you know that was a that was a gift that was one of our gifts and Mm. so uh so yeah naturally I was really intimidated by you know when it when it came to me trying to write and so I feel like that pop record I made that it was called Blue on Blue. I mean, I really think it's garbage. And it's really weird. That was so... <laughs> it's, what has it been? The, the, the listeners did not register the look of shock on my face. It makes it's... me feel so sad when people uh. come up to me and they're like, that's your, that's my favorite record. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that they like a garbage record. It just means that I just... Whatever it was, it was where I was in my life, and yeah. but I was a new mother, and I felt really, you know, inspired by that, and and you know, I was like, no, I don't want to be done. I I want to keep doing this. I want to, you know, keep making music, and I and I employed the you know a lot of great songwriters, the the use of a lot of great songwriters to write with when I was out in L.A. Um, but now when I hear it, it just see it just sounds there's no. I don't hear any depth. There's some songs, mm. but it's really painful to listen to. It was a really weird time. And I think I was grieving. I was mourning the fact that Sixpence had decided to to break up, which was, it was so dumb that we did that. Um, uh, but I was pregnant. I was about to have Henry at the time. You know, it was within weeks of delivering him. And, you know, Matt was, we were super down about what was going on business-wise and just... We just felt like we were stuck between a rock and a hard place. We just could not figure out a way out of it. And he, you know, he said we could just we could quit and then reband and just come up with a whole new name and just start over, which is almost I mean that's what we would have had to do. Wow. And being, you know, as pregnant as I was and just sick of all that, just pain that went along with I mean the the joy, it just the joy got smaller and the the pain and the heartache got bigger. And so, yeah, we just, we were like, all right, let's just call it. And we can always, you know, start something new later. But then I I became a mom and, you know, everybody, I don't know, it's just a whole storm of events that is life. And so it just has been the way it's been. Um, 
And now I've lost track of what the question was. Yeah, well, was. you were talking about blue on blue. and Yeah, uh, the garbage but, record. I mean, That's I know. Right. <laughs> I had this kind of realization it really in the past year that uh, that there are some records that I made probably in what would have been an equivalent sort of era of my, yeah, my, like a couple early solo records where if if I listen to them now, what I hear is me trying desperately to convince someone else that I am this person that right. I wish I was. Right. You know, and yeah. I, if people get something else out of the record, like, great, and I'm really happy about that. Yeah. But I know what I was doing there. Yeah. Even though I didn't know it at the time. Totally. That's what and, it is. You see through, yeah. yeah, you can, and I guess that is kind of valuable to be able to go back and look and yeah. maybe I should say I was kind of a garbage person. That's And that's what yeah. happened. I, I mean, I was obviously, I'm a, a, I'm a delight. I'm a wonderful person. <laughs> well, but at the time, um, yeah, I just, I was, yeah, I just had, a, there was a lot of stuff going on that was under the surface. And you make a record like that and it's like, oh, it wasn't so much on the surface. That was kind of mm. out in the open. And I just I was having stupid thoughts. <laughs> and it's called Blue on Blue. You guys should check it out. <laughs> <laughs> got a song called Ocean Size Love on it. Awesome. No, I, just, I still play that song. It is a good song. But but there's so much. But then it got better. And, yeah. And, and uh, John Hartley, do you know that yeah. gem of a human? He asked me to do a hymns record a few years later, and I've never needed to hear hymns or sing hymns mm. more than I did at the moment that he came to me. Really? And it's the best thing. And I say that having just made the, the best record I think I've made, which is the state I'm in. But the hymns record, it's called Hymns and Sacred Songs, um, is my favorite thing. And that's just that's just God's. That's I, mm. I I have never been more thankful to do anything. And I was on my, I mean, if I could have been like, I felt like I was levitating the whole time. I was so thankful to be singing every word of that record. And wow. it, I think when I hear it, and if it's just for me, that's great. When I hear it, that's what I hear. I just, I get chills and mm. it's, it felt like God's, you know, kind of patting me on the back a little bit. Mm. I don't know. And that's interesting, too, because those are songs you didn't write. No. Mm -mm. No, yeah. they're just hymns. Yeah. It was like balm but for you, my soul. The, the, one of the gifts God gives you to take take somebody else's words and really, really, really feel it, yeah. which is not a thing a lot of people can do. No, because that's one of my gifts. That's something he gave me, so he let me be a, be a portal that's for really, that. That's really amazing. It's powerful. Yeah. I, I want to do as much of it as possible. Hmm. I want to do more. I got to get John to... Whatever. Get with a program. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, um, okay, so then tell us about the state I'm in, the, the last, the Texas, it was a Texas swing that's kind of Yeah, high. it was like a Dex, to totally Texas swing, Texas kind of border country um, it's sound. Like it's not country, it's not swing, it's not, it's not jazz, but it's got like hints of all that in it. Yeah. Which is so fun. We just went all over the place with that, but, but. It what I had intended to do, and I, I got I felt very inspired to write songs that were like the ones that inspired me to want to sing in the first place. Oh, that's really cool. George Jones and Loretta Lynn, Tammy Wynette kind of stuff. I could go on and on. Conway Twitty, um, uh, Charlie Pride, just I literally Jesse Coulter, Waylon Jennings. Anyway, just all that music like '70s and '80s country really just was my thing. Is my thing. 
Um, and I left out Willie Nelson. So, yeah, I wanted to make a, a record of original songs that just sounded awesome, like that music used to in my mm -hmm. mind. I'm not a fan of the way country sounds right now. Some songs get come through, and they're awesome. But the bulk of it is garbage music, sure. in my opinion. And I've been writing for BMG the last three years, and I know. <laughs> so you've been write, like actively writing country songs for Trying other to. Yeah, nobody. <laughs> I haven't had any bites yet, but I'm going to. That's a, but that's I've been a weird world. writing man. some stuff that I really believe in, the kind of stuff I want to hear on yeah. the radio. And that's all you can do. Um, but yeah, with the state I'm in, I I really went there. And uh, and it was really fun. It was a very it's a very inspired, um, you know, record, and it definitely represents a, a chapter of my life. Brendan Benson produced it, which was also a really He's cool amazing. and weird pairing. I was gonna get Dave Cobb. Almost did it. And Dave Cobb's the one who's doing all these records, and he was really keen to do it. And he was like, "These are the best songs I've recorded." And you know, I was getting real excited, and we did some demos together, and. I loved him, um, but but then I met Brendan after a show, and it was just an instant kinship. Mm. Like, this guy, we're going to make it super weird. <laughs> we oh, I love that. And we did. It got, yeah, it was yeah. so fun. I, and I love Dave Cobb. But, um, but yeah, I'm glad I did this with Brendan. That's cool. Yeah, I got into him after the, that Rack and Tours record and went, oh, yeah. oh, my gosh, who is this guy? He's amazing. And then I, yo, went down the rabbit hole. He's such so a cool talented. guy. Yeah, I love That's him. Great. I just love weird people. And he is weird. He'd be the first to tell you, hopefully, or else he's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so so now these days, you, you're you a mom, you're a wife, and you've got your life here in Nashville, or not Farmville, right. but whatever. A little outside of uh, yeah. Nashville. Uh, but you're writing for BMG. The band is still doing some things. Um, so w what does your life look like now? Like, well, What's it like to be Lee Nash? Um I worry a lot, and I, I'm working on that. That's my next job that I'm tackling, um, that I'm, you know, talking to God about because I worry too much. So, um, yeah, I'm always thinking about the next thing. I'm dealing with trying to be present, and and I do the the times when I'm most present is when I'm with my son, which is all the time. Um, but he's 14, and boys, you know, they. I mean, I probably don't need to say anymore. They just like their space, and that's not really my thing. I like to be talk. I like to be in constant communication and know exactly how you feel if you're close <laughs> to me in my life. And that's just not the way, you know, a lot of people in the world operate. That's that's my personality type. I'm all heart, and my husband and Henry are in their head, and so that's a challenge. And I've been enjoying delving into that and mm. just making hopefully creating a more peaceful environment for them and for myself by learning, okay, this is how I am, this is what I need, and how can I, how can we serve each other, understanding our personality types and our different needs. Um, but I write um, a few times a week. My deal with BMG is almost up. I've been writing with them for three years, and so I guess it's time to move on. I really don't want to, but that's the way, that's the way it works. Um, so unless they decide to keep me, which I wish they would. But um, it's like being kicked out of the nest. <laughs> it's time to fly on, little bird. Um, but I've had I've had a great time doing that, and I have written though in the last year some songs that I'm really excited to get out, and so I'll be, uh, Lord willing, putting out some new music in the fall. Um, mm. So 
just choosing a producer and trying to figure out how we're going to fund it, whether it's, yeah. I think it'll be a pledge campaign situation. But I've got a song, a surprise song coming out on June 1st um, that is not original. I chose I chose a really awesome cover, a song that I really loved um, forever. Should I just say what it is? Does this it will come out after that. Okay. So. okay. so I recorded Don't Get Me Wrong by The Pretenders. Oh, and it's, yeah. And it was so much fun. Steve Hendelong produced it, and Steve Lywicky did everything. Did the, yeah, and he's fantastic. I They're both amazing. I do, too. They can just do no wrong um, with the music that we've done together before. I love them. So that's super fun, and that will come out June first, and it's kind of meant to be, uh, like, uh, hi, I've got some more stuff coming mm-hmm. out, and and uh, yeah, a little something in between, you know, now and when the new music comes yeah. out. But I'm really excited about the new songs um, that will be coming out in this this next chapter. It's very thoughtful. The things I have on my mind, I'm kind of getting with my mom's thing and just wanting to write about things that are eternal things that are inspiring mm. things that um just yeah make you want to do better and be better so that's the kind of songs i'm writing now and we'll see but the, the song i'm most excited about it's called god gave me horses and it's mm. i love that title i do too it's so sweet i met this i met this man have you ever been to the ag center you should take your kids we live right by the ag no center. way we so go close to blackman yeah yeah yeah. Yes. We live, yeah i drive through there to drop my daughter to school you're gonna love this then they and it and it gets really funny at the end um my best friend lives over there on blackman and sometimes i'll go and spend the night with her uh, and she is a husband and all and they have a room they have a room for me <laughs> <laughs> when I get everybody's a male at my house, my pets, yeah. my children, my husband, and I say children, child. Anyway, so sometimes it's nice just to get out and go hang out with Jiffy. But the next morning, she was like, "I'm gonna make us some chap- cappuccinos and let's go to the ag center. We'll walk Oso." That's how she talks. She's crazy. But anyway, we took her They've dog down there. Got the police horses up. Yes. Yeah. So we went and we were looking at the police horses, and this guy walks up, and we didn't really pay attention to his attire. Um, and then police were walking kind of by and, and checking us out. And I didn't really know what that, what that was all about. Cause this guy was just talking to us. But anyway, he introduces his name is, his name is Dwayne and he starts telling us his story and he is in prison there and the police oh, yeah. let him, um, look at the horses and tend the, the stables basically. And, uh, yeah, he said when he came into jail, he had holes in his arms from the drugs, and mm-hmm. um, and then slowly he's gained self-respect, and now his family can come see him. Like, his father didn't talk to him for seven years, and now he talks to him, and he's proud of him, and he brings him food on Sunday. So anyway, I wrote this beautiful song about everything he said, um, and it, it really is. It's his song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found out yesterday, so Jiffy her nephews were in town so they kept going and she got into a conversation with one of the policemen it turns out Dwayne got out of jail and then he went back to jail because his family was bringing contraband into the what and hiding it in the hay what so I wrote this inspiring song for prisoners <laughs> the state gave me 18 months but God gave me horses well screw that because Dwayne you are kidding no and I was so proud of him, I couldn't wait to play him the song. And that dirty son of a gun has been 
Crimin. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Crimin while in prison. But anyway, when you hear God gave me horses, then you will. Just know that Dwayne is not a good guy. Ah, oh, wasn't that wonderful? I knew you guys were going to love that. I did. Uh, if you want to find out more about Lee, you can go to leenash.net. Again, that's leenash.net. Uh, for more about me or this podcast, you can go to andrewosinga.com or everybodypivots.com. Uh, now stick around after this because we're going to play Lee's new single, uh, which is a cover of the Pretender song, Don't Get Me Wrong. Uh, this is a fantastic song, and as always, Lee just sounds wonderful, one of the greatest singers I've ever heard. Uh, also want to say thanks again to our new sponsors, the Nashville Institute for Faith and Work, NIFW.org, and the Global Counseling Network, globalcounselingnetwork.com. Uh, both fantastic organizations, and I'm so thrilled to be partnering with people who are doing the work that we're talking about here on The Pivot. So please go check those people out. Enjoy this song. We'll see you next week. Now go do something awesome. Say when. When. <laughs>